0: Welcome back once again to the Counter Vortex with your ranter, Bill Weinberg, ranting at you, as always, from my apartment on Manhattan's Lower East Side in the wee hours of January 21st, 2023. And on this rant, we're going to look at the rather amazing and inspiring and terrifying events in Peru Over the past several weeks, a situation which is only escalating with no resolution in sight. It is necessary to start with a little historical background. Let's go back 30 years and change to April 1992, which saw a critical event in Peru's recent history. With the country in deep crisis and the Shining Path guerrillas controlling much of the countryside and actually threatening to cut off Lima, the arch reactionary president Alberto Fujimori, who had been elected as a kind of a neoliberal technocrat, staged a so called auto golpe, a self coup, dissolving Congress and ushering in eight years of dictatorship. First, a period of outright autocracy under Fujimori's personal rule by decree, and then of authoritarian rule with a facade of pseudo-legitimacy, a domesticated Congress restored, but real power still concentrated in the executive and the intelligence apparatus. And these years see extremely harsh repression with serial massacres and atrocities on both sides in the war with the Shining Path. This period of authoritarian rule came to an end when Fujimori's regime essentially collapsed amid multiple corruption scandals in the year 2000, and the key turning point was a massive civil mobilization against Fujimori's rule that July. Called the March of the Four Soyuz, meaning a march from the four corners of Peru. Soyu, being the Quechua word for a realm or geographical region. And the so called Inca Empire was actually called by the Incas Tawantin Soyu, or the Four Realms, which all converged on their capital, Cuzco, basically the. Altiplano to the southeast, the Central Highlands to the southwest, the Northern Sierra to the northwest, and the rainforest to the northeast, from the perspective of Cuzco, although now the march converged from throughout Peru on the contemporary capital, Lima. And four months later, in November 2000, Fujimori fled the country. The rudiments, at least, of democracy were restored, and Fujimori would eventually be brought back to Peru to face criminal charges for both corruption and human rights atrocities, for which he is still doing time today, despite numerous efforts to free him via pardon or judicial ruling by his unrepentant supporters. But now it is 22 years later, and the country is in deep crisis. As we are aware, the political class has remained mired in dizzying levels of corruption, and an ultra-reactionary Fujimorista bloc in Congress, led by the ex-dictator's unrepentant daughter Keiko, has been blocking any progress toward addressing the deepening social ills Several consecutive administrations have collapsed amid scandal, and amid all this, there have, over the past several years, been growing peasant mobilizations in the countryside and indigenous mobilizations in the rainforest against the breakneck mineral and hydrocarbon exploitation, which has meant a great deal of economic growth, as it is called, But has principally benefited the Lima elites and only impoverished the campesinos and indigenas. And these movements finally found their national voice in the 2021 presidential candidate, Pedro Castillo, a school teacher of campesino origins from the northern region of Cajamarca, who ran on the ticket of the left wing Peru Libre party against Keiko Fujimori, and, against all the expectations of the Lima elite and the traditional political parties, won. But the Fujimorista bloc essentially did not allow him to govern, blocking all of his proposals in Congress and launching multiple impeachment or vacancy proceedings against him on corruption charges— which may or may not have been real, but were fairly petty compared to the massive corruption of the Fujimoristas who were bringing the charges. So already a very high degree of irony here. But there is a truly bitter and nearly surreal irony to what happened next. Castillo last month attempted an auto-golpe. He basically attempts to do what Fujimori did in 1992, dissolve Congress and rule by decree. But, of course, this didn't work, precisely because he was a political outsider, which is ironically what got him elected in the first place, but meant that the military and intelligence apparatus and political class in general would not fall into line with such a move as they did that of Fujimori in 92. So while I understand what drove Castillo to it, his desperation measure just indicated to me how completely he was in over his head. An act of hubristic self-delusion, apart from any other criticism we could make. Anyway, to relate what has happened in the month since his attempted auto golpe precipitated the current crisis a narrative of events digested from my blogging on december 7th facing a third round of vacancy proceedings which unlike impeachment as the word is usually rendered in the english language press would take immediate effect and remove him from office immediately President Castillo ordered the dissolution of Congress and announced imposition of a government of exception, quote unquote, in which he would rule by decree. But his government immediately collapsed as protesters, many armed with clubs and seemingly from the right wing and bourgeoisie, filled the streets of Lima. Most of Castillo's cabinet resigned in protest of the move, the National Police and Armed Forces Joint Command together issued a statement saying that they would not enforce any, quote, acts contrary to the constitutional order, end quote. Defying the dissolution order, Congress quickly approved a vacancy measure calling for Castillo's immediate ouster by a vote of 101 in favor, 6 against, with 10 abstentions. The Fiscalía, the government's prosecutorial body, had Castillo arrested, charged with breaching constitutional order. His vice president, Dina Boluarte, a bland technocrat despite her affiliation with Castillo's populist party, was immediately sworn in as Peru's new president. National police troops flooded the streets of Lima, which was placed under curfew. But thousands of Castillo's supporters filled the streets of cities and towns across Peru. Protesters occupied the airport in the southern city of Arequipa, while mass mobilizations and road blockades were held in Cusco and Trujillo. Protests turned violent in Andahuaylas province, where a national police station was overrun in the town of Chincheros on December 12th. By this point, at least seven were dead in the protests by official figures, six in Andahuaylas, and five under the age of 18. Defense Minister Alberto Otarola, on December 13th, announced that a 60-day state of emergency had been stated in seven provinces of Aparimac region in the central highlands, including Andahuaylas. The Defense Ministry announced that the armed forces would take control of strategic points, including airports and hydroelectric plants, in the affected areas. The following day, the state of emergency was extended nationwide for 30 days. The declarations officially suspend the rights of assembly and freedom of movement and give the police sweeping powers to conduct searches and arrests without judicial order. Castillo appeared in court to face conspiracy charges on December 13th, where he called on the security forces to stop killing people who he said were thirsty for justice. Quote unquote. Castillo reportedly refused to appear at his next court hearing on December 15th, with his attorneys telling the judge that he considers the process against him to be a farce. But a handwritten note by Castillo was released from his cell at the headquarters of the National Division of Special Operations, the elite corps of the National Police. In the note, Castillo asserted that he is still the legitimate president of Peru, and assailed Baluarte as an usurper and snot and slime of the coup-mongering right Quote-unquote, his words, not mine. Mocos y babas de la derecha golpista. The missive, released in facsimile on his Twitter account, signs off with slogans demanding his immediate freedom and calling for a constituent assembly to forge a new constitution for Peru. On December 16th, Castillo was ordered to be held in preventative detention for 18 months. That same day, eight were killed and some 50 injured in clashes between protesters and security forces in the central highland city of Ayacucho. The fighting was sparked when protesters attempted to occupy the city's airport, which remained shut down. Curfews were now in force in the regions of Arequipa, Aparimac, Cusco, and Puno, as well as Ayacucho. Also that same day, An initiative in Congress to hold new elections in December 2023 instead of April 2026, as currently scheduled, failed to become law despite a wide majority vote in its favor. With 25 abstentions, it failed to win the total number of votes necessary for a constitutional change. On the day after that, December 17th, Two ministers of Baluarte's embattled government resigned from their post in protest of the repression. On that same day, the National Police Anti-Terrorist Directorate raided the Lima offices of the country's main union of peasants and rural workers, the Campesino Confederation of Peru, CCP, Dozens on the premises were held there and interrogated without access to legal counsel for 16 hours. Rural leaders from across the country were gathered at the CCP national headquarters at the time of the raid to discuss coordination of protest actions. In the days immediately before and after the raid, government offices were burned by protesters in Arequipa, in Huancavelica, and in Ayacucho. Leftist lawmaker Veronica Mendoza responded to the CCP raid by charging that Boluarte quote, is not leader of a government of transition, but a government of repression, end quote. On December 27th, Boluarte reshuffled her cabinet and announced a new prime minister, Luis Alberto Otarola, who became the new defense minister after Castillo's ouster December 7th and subsequently announced the national state of emergency. On December 29th, Peru's Supreme Court upheld the decision, allowing Castillo to be held in preventive detention for 18 months, as he is investigated on charges of corruption and rebellion. His family had been allowed to flee the country to Mexico. It also emerged that Castillo's defense minister, Gustavo Babillo Rosas, met with U.S. Ambassador Lisa Kenna the day before Castillo's ouster. This has been exploited in irresponsible speculation, particularly by the predictable and tiresome Ben Norton that the U.S. had a hand in Castillo's removal, despite the fact that Bobbio Rosas was himself removed along with Castillo and replaced by Otarola. So, that makes zero sense, just to get that baseless conspiracy theory out of the way. Lawmaker Sigrid Bazan of Juntos por el Peru, Cambio Democrático, Together for Peru, Democratic Change, the main leftist bloc in Congress, introduced a measure calling for a popular referendum, on whether to hold the Constituent Assembly to draw up a new constitution, now a key demand of the protest movement. But it, of course, faces slim chances. A year-end summit of defense fronts of the southern macro region was held in the city of Arequipa, where a call was issued for an indefinite nationwide general strike. The Defense Fronts for the People's Interests, or Fedip, are regional alliances of campesino organizations, village self-defense patrols, or rondas, and labor unions that are coordinating the national paro, or civil strike. In light of the permanent political crisis, six presidents in five years, an intransigent right-wing bloc paralyzing Congress, the FEDEP summit in Arequipa put forth a list of demands for a radical reformation of the country. These demands include, first and foremost, the resignation of President Dina Baluarte and the release of the imprisoned Castillo, as well as imprisonment of Baluarte for the deadly repression that by that point had claimed at least 27 lives since she took power on December 7th but the demands also include the dissolution of Congress and immediate new elections, as well as the calling of a constituent assembly to draft a new constitution with the participation of popular organizations. After a pause for the holidays, protests remobilized on January 4th. Roadblocks and barricades halted traffic on major arteries, through the southern regions of Arequipa, Aparimac, Puno, and Cusco, while in the city of Cusco, public transportation and the markets were all shut down. The new protests were now strongest in the south of the country. And then things got really heavy. On January 9th, 17 were killed, including two teenagers, as protesters attempted to occupy the local airport in Juliaca, Puno region, on the edge of the Altiplano. One national police officer was also killed and several injured in the confrontation as protesters launched fireworks at security forces. That same day, another protester was killed in the nearby town of Chuquito as police moved against a road blockade. The next day, January 10th, the Fiscalía opened a preliminary investigation into President Baluarte and five of her current and former cabinet members for possible acts of genocide in the repression of the protest. Prosecutor General Patricia Benavides announced that, in addition to Baluarte, her investigation will target Prime Minister Alberto Otarola. Peru's official human rights ombudsman, the Defensoría del Pueblo, issued a statement calling on the security forces to act with restraint, but on the day of Benavide's announcement, another protester was killed in the city of Cusco. Jenny Dador, executive secretary of the non-governmental National Human Rights Coordinator of Peru, blamed indiscriminate use of force for the deaths, which she called extrajudicial killings. Peru's southern regions of Puno, Cusco, Arequipa, and Madre de Dios were now almost entirely cut off by roadblocks. The giant Antapacay copper mine in Cusco region, operated by the Swiss multinational Glencore, was also occupied by protesters who set company vehicles on fire and attacked a worker housing complex at the facility. And then we come to the attempt to create a senderismo panic. In what appeared to be the latest effort to smear Castillo's supporters as linked to the Shining Path, or Sendero Luminoso, police in Ayacucho region on January 13th announced the arrest of Rocio Leandro Melgar on charges of collaborating with the now moribund Maoist insurgency police said Leandro, president of the Defense Front of the People of Ayacucho, Fredepa, is actually a guerrilla operative known as Comrade Cusi. Leandro and five of her Fredepa comrades were flown to Lima, where they are being held in preventive detention. According to media reports, Leandro had served nine years at the notorious Churillo's women's prison in the late 80s and 90s for her links to Sendero Luminoso. It should be noted, however, that a key pillar of the decentralized grassroots revolutionary movement that has now emerged in Peru are the Rondas, the Campesino Village Self-Defense Patrols, which first emerged in the 80s precisely to defend rural communities' from Sendero Luminoso, especially in remote areas where the state had little or no presence. So the notion that the contemporary civil movement is tainted by ties to Sendero, which really was an extremist and totalitarian movement, is pretty transparently bogus. After the Fiscalía's announcement of an investigation into the repression Baluarte purged her cabinet yet again, but Baluarte insisted that she will not step down, a key demand of the protesters. Quote, Some voices have come from the violent and radical factions asking for my resignation, provoking the population into chaos, disorder, and destruction. Baluarte said in a televised address January 13th, I will not resign. End quote. She also dismissed a second demand of the protesters that a constituent assembly be called to draft a new constitution. Referring to herself in the third person, she said that such a decision quote, is not in the hands of the executive nor of Dina Baluarte. End quote. The death toll in the unrest since Castillo's ouster now stood at 47, according to the Defensoria del Pueblo including the police officer killed at Juliaca, and seven civilians killed in traffic accidents related to the roadblocks. The remaining 39 were civilians killed by the security forces. On January 14th, Boluarte declared a 30-day state of emergency in the cities of Lima and Callao, as well as throughout the regions of Cuzco and Puno, and selected provinces of Aparimac, Madre de Dios, And Moquegua. The decree came as the nationwide state of emergency declared last month was about to expire. And then this week, thousands of protesters from across the country poured into Peru's capital in what was billed as the taking of Lima, Toma de Lima, or the March of the Four Soyuz, a reference to the mass mobilization that brought down the Fujimori dictatorship in 2000. Things were peaceful until January 19th, when a festive crowd that had been slowly massing in Plaza San Martin in downtown Lima was attacked by the riot police, setting off running street battles throughout the capital's central district. A building near Plaza San Martín was set on fire, which police blamed on protesters, and protesters blamed on a police tear gas bomb that went astray. In a late-night TV address, President Boluarte warned that those responsible for violence and vandalism would not go unpunished, pledging to bring to bear all the rigor of the law, quote-unquote, adding that this is not a peaceful march, and that protesters sought to break the rule of law, generate chaos and disorder, and seize power quote unquote. Fatalities related to the protests now stand at fifty two by count of the defensoria. This includes a woman shot by police as protesters attack government buildings in Makusani, Puno. On January 18th. And that is where things stand as of tonight, late on the night of January 21st. Now, to sum things up a little bit, well, I have to be me and start off with some criticism for my own side, as it were. I know none of my lefty friends who have been following this situation want to hear this, but it is simply a case of bad facts for our side, that Castillo himself attempted an auto golpe, which gave Congress, not the military, the perfect expedient to remove him, and allows both sides to accuse each other of a coup with a degree of plausibility, either a failed self-coup or a successful soft coup, so to speak, via Congress, rather than explicitly by the military, as Peru has seen many times in the past, and a self-coup, or auto-golpe, has obvious resonances of what the justly hated Alberto Fujimori did in 92. So, yeah, I'd say the politics of the situation are a little complicated, and I have to confess that I am a little skeptical Of the mass movement rallying around Castillo, instead of acknowledging that he fucked up badly. I mean, it recalls Karl Marx's famous words about Napoleon III. First time is tragedy, second time is farce. Castillo is, at best, a flawed figure. But having said that, I must hasten to emphasize that this does not alter the basic right and wrong of the struggle in Peru, which is fundamentally that of campesinos, indigenous peoples, and common folk fighting for their elementary rights and often very survival against the corrupt and reactionary political class fighting to preserve its privileged position and ill-gotten gains. Despite all of the admittedly messy politics, There is potential for a real political breakthrough and the building of popular or parallel power in Peru and an authentically revolutionary situation, but also for even worse repression than we've yet seen, for a new authoritarian regime or social collapse, a moment pregnant with possibilities, but also with many dangers. Whatever happens, we will be following it intimately on the Counter Vortex. So watch this space. This has been Bill Weinberg with the Counter Vortex. Check us out online at countervortex.org where we blog about such matters in obsessive and fastidiously didactic manner every day. Please support us on Patreon. We need your support to keep going with this project very badly. Just a buck or two a week will make a big difference in sustaining us. Please join the Counter Vortex, join the resistance, and rant on you next time.